0: still a force of nature at 85 years old, drummer Roy Haynes continues to tour the world with his aptly named Fountain of Youth Band. In a career that has spanned eight decades, the drummer known as Snap Crackle has played and recorded with every important jazz musician of the last 70 years, from Charlie Parker and Sarah Vaughan to John Coltrane and Thelonious Monk. Welcome to Jazz Stories. I'm Ken Drucker. In December of 2008, Roy Haynes sat down with Dr. Lewis Porter as part of Jazz at Lincoln Center's Jazz Talk series, and spoke about his first high-profile job, working with the great and thoroughly original tenor saxophonist Lester Young.
1: You ended up back in New York and uh, you did great because by October nineteen forty seven you were working with Lester Young, what is it? Yeah. Joined him at the same place I joined Louis Russell. Is that in, right? In home at the Savoy Ball. Oh wow. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of a high point in Fez's career. He was really famous then. And, uh... In
2: Lester's career, yeah. Well, I don't think it was too much of you know, a high point at that time. Because no, okay. Lester, he was drinking a lot of gin. Oh, OK. Uh-huh. But he had nice when he was you know, really, really playing good. Okay. And he felt inspired during that period. Okay. I stayed with him uh, two years. And the only reason I left was he went with Norman Grant's jazz at the Philharmonic and uh, naturally the band didn't go with him, right. so I was getting a little popular then. In fact, uh, I started working with Kay Winning and, mm. and Miles lived close to me then, so we would hang out a little and, you know, started playing with Miles that same year, 1949, yeah, that's wow. when I left for well, the rest of the year. That's
1: great. During the time that you were with uh, Frez, uh, there, there were a number of people in the band, but one person who played with Frez during that period was a piano player. <laughs> His name was Argon Thornton, and then as a, his Muslim name was Sadiqaqin. Sadiqaqin. Yeah. Any memories of him? Yeah, that's the guy that got me in the band. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. How did yeah. you know Justin? Yeah. Well, I used
2: to see him around 52nd Street. Okay. Around 50 around, and that used to be my hangout, up naturally. Mm-hmm. listening to all of the people That's there. where
1: all the clubs were.
2: Yeah,
1: And uh, he was kind of a character. From oh, what Sadiq? I yeah. In what way? Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know him as being a character. Yeah. Oh, you didn't okay. No, No, yeah, yeah. Somebody said he was a, you know, selling pot and whatever, you know.
2: A character in which way I don't understand.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't know him. It's just no, him. He,
2: was, he, he was cool. Man. Okay. He was wrapped up in his religion, you know, okay. that, you know. I don't know him as being a character. That's interesting.
1: But, uh, Prez was a unique individual. Trez was one think. of the most original persons
2: that I have ever met. Okay. His way, you really have to understand this guy, his way of describing things, his way of dressing, I mean, his whole thing, the way he played. Okay. Because when he started getting popular, Coleman Hawkins was the king of the, of the ten of sax during that period, mm-hmm. and Lester Young came in with something different. You know, so his whole, you know, the way he would talk, you know. He was an amazing guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of slang, like personal slang. Oh yeah, slang yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had a way of
2: describing anything, anybody. Right. And, and you really have to understand. He was very, very, very humorous. Do you remember any example of something he would um, say? Oh, <laughs> One example. When he would see a man with a hat on, especially a Caucasian man, he would... Describe him as Dick Tracy, <laughs> meaning that he was a cop. Oh, okay. yeah, that was one example. And, uh, That's good. He had ways of describing females. Oh man, he had his language, you really have to be around this guy.
1: Yeah.
2: Some of the things I couldn't say now, you know, Sure. Describe. But
1: it was witty, it was very witty. Very
2: fast, too. Yeah. You know. In fact, there was one period where uh, my drums were stolen. Whoa! And it would have been 1947 going into 1948.
1: Were they stolen uh, at a gig, or no? Uh, somebody was trying to get the gig
2: as tour manager, as we would call it now. Okay. And in New York, they had that big snowstorm that year. Some people here may remember a big snowstorm. I think it was 1948 or 1947, going into
1: 1948. Does anyone remember a snowstorm? December 25th to December 27th, 1947. <laughs> you know who that is, right? right. That's, the, uh, that's the official Jazz of Lincoln weather <laughs>
0: weatherman.
1: <laughs> We always keep a weatherman
2: handy for anyone. Hey, hey Phil, give me that date again. <laughs> <laughs> the first place were on Christmas night and it stopped on December 27th. Of
1: 47, did you say? A 47. So just a few months That's after. That's right. So we had a, a gig. It's the weatherman.
2: We had a gig <laughs> in a place in the Bronx called the Bronx Winter Garden. And it was snowing that night, mm-hmm. as Phil just told you, snowstorm. And after the gig, this guy that was trying to, he knew we had a tour coming out from New York going Chicago, going to the west coast. He was trying to get the gig with the band as a roadie. Okay. Now they're called tour managers. And when he found out he wasn't gonna get the gig, that night he got a taxi for me, the Bronx Winter Garden, snowing like crazy put my uh, drums in the taxi. He got in the taxi also. Yeah. <laughs> so we brought the drums to my house. I lived on 149th Street there in Manhattan, not the Bronx. And so I caught a night. I didn't have a hat on. I do remember that, you know, trying to show my pretty hair and everything, you know. A lot of ladies would come to the gigs, you know, like you know, it was a dance at the Bronx Winter Garden, so I didn't wear a hat that night. Here's where, the next day I had a cold. It happened, the same road he came by my house, trying to get the gig, and brought me some, some food. He said, let me take your drums downtown so we can leave from Lester's Hotel, which was 44th Street. Okay. There's a bus terminal right there under the hotel. So he brought the drums down there and checked the drums there. When he found out he was not gonna get the gig, he disappeared with my drums. I had to go to California next day with no drums. So, our first gig was going to be in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's before we got to Chicago. And when we got to Cincinnati, Ohio, Ezra Charles was, I don't know if he was champion then, but he was a boxer, and the guy that was traveling with Ezra Charles was a drummer. So I knew him. Oh, okay. He uh, let me play his songs that night, and then I had to go to Chicago the next day. So when I got to Chicago, Charlie Parker had just got fired from a gig, and he was being replaced by uh, trumpet player Howard McGee. Wow! So in the meantime, Miles and Max, who were both playing with Charlie Parker, they are all stranded in Chicago, because Charlie Parker got fired. Phil, Yes, it was. He, he, does this sound familiar to you? It does, I remember when you told me when I was a young lad. Oh, I told you <laughs> that before. So anyhow, when the I got, got to Chicago, no, late November 47, I got fired. Right. So when I got to Chicago, uh, Max Roach had told me uh, there was a guy at the club that night where they got fired from, okay. from, uh, do we have to stop?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, that, that was from uh, Ludwig Jones, and uh, he introduced mm-hmm. me to him. So I went out to Ludwig Drums the next day, which would have been Saturday. And I got this small 20-inch bass drum, one of the first 20-inch bass drums, because bass drums then were 26, that was considered small. 28 was a bigger one. So when Lester Young saw these little small little drums, right away, He nicknamed him Princess (laughs) (laughs) Wee-Wee. That's how fast he was. That is so funny. They had to be named, uh, uh, not Prince, but Princess.
1: Princess. (laughs) Lady. Princess Wee-Wee. That's how fast he was. That is so funny. That whole story is great, because there's a lot in there, the Uh, whole thing about you being on the road, yeah, yeah, how you have to pick up a drum set in this yeah, town, yeah, yeah. that's good. But Sorry to take up so much of your time. I love you taking up our time. <laughs> you're here tonight
2: to take up our time. <laughs> uh, 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 what time is it, by the way?
1: 10 <laughs> Okay, Okay. But
2: uh, <laughs> I belong to a strong union.
1: <laughs> you don't have to pay too much overtime tonight. But, um... They, uh, but the, the small drum, I mean, that's part, getting the small bass drum is part of getting more modern sound. Was it something that you particularly looked for? Did it just happen to be that's what they had? Or, you know what I mean? How did you end up getting away from the big drum of the older generation?
2: Well, uh, that was kind of the new look okay. also. Okay. Not only the way they sounded, it just ah. looks like. I had a snare okay. drum three and a half inches. That was one of the first small snatchers, okay. and then they call it a bebop snare. Mm. Oh, okay. So that was sort of the look, you know, sort of streamlined. Right.
0: Drummer Roy Haynes in conversation with Dr. Lewis Porter. You can find more jazz stories at JALC.org or at iTunes. Jazz Stories is produced by Murray Street Productions with support from Jazz at Lincoln Center. Consider becoming a member or joining us for a live performance. Find complete information at JALC.org. I'm Ken Drucker.